This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 29th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. School choice advocates use terms like education marketplace, but should they? It's not entirely clear that a real market for education services exists at the K-12 level. So says John Merrifield, a professor of economics at the University of Texas. He's also editor of the Journal of School Choice. Merrifield argues in a new policy analysis at the Cato Institute that a true marketplace for K-12 education is simply yet to be tried, but researchers draw conclusions as if it has. He says it's as if researchers wanted to learn about apples by studying lemons. You think there's a danger of school choice advocates selling markets the way they have when many of the mechanisms that you hope exist in any market simply aren't there? Absolutely. That that seems to be my life's work so far in the school choice movement is is telling people that what they think is evidence is not. Uh, I rolled my eyes a couple of times today at the presentation because people were citing Milwaukee and Cleveland and uh, not Cleveland by name per se, but citing voucher programs and, well, we've tried choice and it hasn't reformed the system much and talking about market reforms. And there aren't any market reforms. There's been some choice reforms, but markets contain certain essential elements and none of those are present in any of the school choice programs in the United States, much less all of them. Profits, prices set by supply and demand, uh, openness to producers, level playing field in terms of if there are subsidies, all the children of the same type, same educational consideration should be subsidized equally. We don't have that. We have, dis- we have either no prices, distorted prices, high entry barriers, and we have people reaching conclusions that markets don't work or markets don't work well or whatever on the basis of these, and it's just devastating. Is there any credible evidence internationally? It's a little better, but uh, for instance, we have programs like in the Netherlands and in Chile where, they're, where they have voucher programs, but they're so heavily regulated, and this isn't widely publicized, that it's very difficult to have any kind of product differentiation, which is another critical aspect of markets, given how diverse people are as as educators and how diverse children are as consumers of education, we need the opportunity to, to, be, to have an extremely diverse option, of, a menu of schooling options. For example, let me just, just, Sweden is another place that has some voucher programs in some of its municipalities. 90-something percent, I don't remember the exact percentage, of the curriculum that every school must uh, teach, public or private, is dictated by the central government. So... School choice in Sweden breaks down to, well, here's what you have to teach, but you have freedom on how to teach it, which is worth something because they have now opened up the system to different pedagogies, but they're pretty much locked into what they have to teach. The next step would be to open it up to let them teach thematically whatever they want. They haven't done that yet. Chile, it's it's even less open than that. Uh, if you remember the old song, maybe from the 1970s, you're probably too young to remember it, the year 2525. Everything you think, do, and say is in the pill you d- took today. You may have heard it on the Golden Oldies. Well, anyway, in Chile, everything the school does, from, from the color of the mortar to how big the bricks are, is dictated by the central government. Even despite that micromanagement, the private schools in most of Chile seem to be better than the public schools. Somehow, the difference between private and public is still worth something. But you have to have freedom to try to sell whatever it is you think you ought to sell to the general public. That doesn't exist. The government tells you what you have to sell. As a consequence, you don't get suspicious consumers. Suspicious consumers. Consumers that are, uh, if the choice mechanisms don't function 
as we would hope that they do, there's little incentive for parents to get too involved in weighing the costs and benefits of one school or another. Well, that's right. At some point, the schools of choice or the choice schools fill up, and then there's no incentive because they say, well, there's no space there. Uh, Plus, the menu of opportunities, of options, is limited by the fact that there are all these restrictions that exist, and so a lot of choices that might be chosen never are because they never come into, into existence. Are there models that exist that give you an idea of? Sure. Well, so let's say you're going to have a voucher program. What, what should it look like? Well, it should be universal, first of all. And the amount of money that a voucher is worth should be approximately equal to the amount that's spent per student in a public school. Flat, level playing field. Most important of all, uh, probably even more important than that level playing field, is the opportunity for parents to add on or benefit from discounting that basic voucher price of a school, because only then are there going to be price signals, which are the cornerstone of all markets. Price signals inform, motivate behavior on both the buying and selling side. There are no examples in the world anywhere of of the provision of a good without a dynamic price, efficient provision of a good without a dynamic price system. Price controls, which exist in education nearly everywhere, are a common denominator of disaster every time they've been tried. The reason that that hasn't been given much attention in education is because they've always been price controlled. And so nobody's known, well, it's always been this way. But if we compare price controlled things to non-price controlled things everywhere else, it's always a disaster when price isn't there to tell people what something is worth and what it costs and thus to inform decision making on both sides of the market. Do you think that there is a crowd out effect with regard to some school choice options Absolutely. on private education that is out beyond the bounds of a uh, school choice system? Absolutely. The charter law as currently configured uh, is the worst enemy there is of, of private education, which isn't necessarily bad. There are pros and cons. People have often said, in, at least in some states, with the better charter laws, the stronger charter laws, that now I have free private school. Uh, before that, I had to pay for it. And free is provides access to more people than if something is expensive. So maybe charter laws are a way to do things that private schools used to do, but for less money and kind of a backhanded uh, roundabout uh, voucher. But there's no question that if you if you create a charter school, which is, which is a closer substitute for a private school than a regular public school is, that you're going to chase a lot of people out of the private schools. And I can't, I haven't studied the Catholic uh, school shrinkage that we've seen lately and why exactly that's happened, but probably very likely because of the proliferation of charter schools. John Merrifield is a professor of economics at the University of Texas, San Antonio, and editor of the Journal of School Choice. His new analysis, Dismal Science, the Shortcomings of U.S. School Choice Research and How to Address Them, is available at Cato.org.